Hello and welcome to the VMUG Professional Development Podcast. My name is Matthew Nanes. And I'm Candace Davis. And we are here to help you on your professional development journey. Today we have the Learning Studios founder, Deborah Zabladil, and she's going to teach us about mindfulness and emotional intelligence. You might have heard about Deborah through our VMUG Professional Development webcast series we first launched last year and have continued through this year. We actually did cover this topic on a webcast in 2018, so I think a lot of you will benefit from her talking uh, on this podcast. Yeah, and this was my first time hearing her, so it was it was really awesome. So Candice, are you familiar with mindfulness? Yes, I am. I've been practicing mindfulness for over a year now and I've really benefited from it. I use several different apps uh, as far as practicing. So I use Breathe, there's one called Calm as well. Headspace was my go-to when I first started. And I guess when you start, you have to start from, you know, from somewhere and you kind of lead up from, from that point. So it's been really great having all these apps and everything that's out there for, for people to take advantage of. Yeah, and as far as myself is concerned, I am not a practitioner whatsoever, and I guess you could call me a skeptic mm-hmm. a little bit, but from this conversation with Deborah, uh, I might be a new convert to mindfulness. And so through this interview, uh, if there's any other skeptics out there, you might fall into my camp and start doing it everyone because she she gave yeah. a lot of great uh uh advice and resources to be able to start doing it um today even that's right so um so that leads us to our episode this this conversation is really great and it was very long so we're gonna bust it out into two separate episodes we're gonna have a part one and a part two uh and this is the part one and we are very excited, and Deborah was amazing. Uh, but before we get into it, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please pass this along to your community as well and your social media. Uh, the word of mouth really does help us out. All right, here's the episode. Enjoy. All right, so we are here with Deborah Zabladil. How are you? I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Uh, so what's your title? What do you do? Why, and why is professional development uh, fall into this space for you? Yeah. So um, I, I'm uh, the president and founder of a company called The Learning Studio. We are based in the Chicago area, but work with clients all over, frankly, the world, um, mostly, mostly in the U.S., but um, also internationally. And, um, the, you know, it's interesting, but I have been working with membership groups for a very long time around education and helping mm-hmm. their headquarters. So their associations offer membership well to their, their, uh, their members and their, and their customers. And so that means, you know, good quality and it means, um, meeting them where they're at and it means, um, having them apply, you know, what they're learning and all of that. And so several years ago, a client asked me, well, why aren't you doing more teaching when, you know, you like to, you know, you like to speak and um, you understand this community. And so probably about 12 years ago, uh, my team and I started doing more and more training for membership groups. And we got into this area of professional development. And what um, what I love about it so much is that many uh, in many professions, we are not taught 
how to be good managers and how to be good leaders. So we come up through the ranks and, you know, you go to school for a discipline and you learn how to do that well. You then get hired by uh, a company and they teach you their way to apply that discipline. But what they're not teaching us along the way is how do we have good conversations? How do we build effective teams? How do we have high stakes conversations and how do we get through conflict whole and maybe even better? Um, and then how do we take care of ourselves? You know, how, how do we uh, make sure that as managers and leaders that we are doing good things for ourselves um, all the time? Because if we're not right, no one else is going to be right around us. So um, so that's really what has um, really struck, you know, struck a passion in me in terms of professional development and then this mindfulness um, work and um, emotional intelligence and, and meditation, I think, is just one really, really productive, healthy way for anyone to keep themselves somewhat balanced in, in a very fast paced and, and somewhat chaotic world. So as far as mindfulness and emotional intelligence is concerned, how long have you been uh, integrating that into your work? You know, it's been um, officially probably about six or seven years softly, but about three years ago, I went to a program. Um, there's an organization, a nonprofit organization called the Search Inside Yourself um, organization, SIY.org. And I went to a leadership institute, um, that really was born out of Google. And I don't know how much you know about Google and mindfulness, but, um, boy, several years ago, uh, one of Google's, um, top, um, engineers started practicing mindfulness and teaching mindfulness within the organization. And it became so productive to the employees, their well-being, um, to um, serving the organization better, and to really being good stewards out in the world, that it really started to take off. And it became um, something that was baked into how they trained all of their leaders and now how they train all of their employees. So the spinoff was the Search Inside Yourself um, organization that does incredible work all around the world. And um, I went to a, a year-long program and learned really not just how to incorporate it into my own life, but how to teach it and how to help others um, with mindfulness. So, you know, in that course, what's so fascinating to me, and, and this may be of interest to, to the listeners, is that there were um, surgeons in that course. There were ER doctors. There were, you know, there was a, a person there that worked um, for the government of, um, of Berlin, uh, Germany. There was um, someone in there that runs mindfulness preschools. Um, there were, you know, entrepreneurs, there were business people. So it was really interesting to me that in almost every walk of life, people were realizing how much mindfulness is needed and were really, you know, furthering themselves and trying to really um, understand the concept of what it is and how to help others understand how to use mindfulness in their own lives. Wow, that's great. So Deborah, let's focus first on mindfulness. Can you tell us what mindfulness is and kind of walk us through uh, what it means to you as well? Yeah, so mindfulness, you know, is, is pretty simple. Mindfulness is being present, being in the moment, paying attention. 
So, you know, we use sometimes, uh, we, you know, we think of mindfulness sometimes as meditation. They are two different things. So um, there is mindfulness meditation. Meditation, the art of practicing meditation, is, um, helps you become more mindful. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's scientifically proven. It helps you become a more mindful person. But you don't have to be someone who meditates to be mindful. So mindfulness can be something as simple as, you know, when I am going between meetings at work, I'm pausing and I'm taking 30 seconds to think about how am I showing up? Am I taking the stress of my last meeting with me into this meeting? Am I full, going to be able to be fully present? Am I preoccupied? How do I reset my mind, etc.? It might mean that when you're at home and um, your child is asking for your attention, instead of you know clicking away on your laptop and sort of saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, you actually put your laptop down and you're in the moment with, with your child. So it has, as you can see, it's simple, but not necessarily easy. So it's, it's something that the more we're aware of mindfulness and wanting to be mindful, the more we become mindful. So, um, you know, some people are aware that, um, you know, there used to be sort of this badge of honor to say, oh, you know, I, I, I work with a, a CEO organization and, and many of them would say, oh, I have ADHD, almost as though, you know, it wasn't a diagnosis, but a badge of honor that, oh, they're scattered and they're all over the place. And I think what we're realizing as, you know, our society matures with, you know, respect to this, you know, on sleep and on well-being and all of that is that we being, you know, focused in a thousand different areas is not good for anyone. And it's certainly not good for ourselves. We're not retaining information. We're not, um, you know, we're not able to be good leaders doing that. We're not able to be good friends, partners, parents, et cetera, if we are constantly pulled in different directions. So it's being very single-minded um, in, in anything you're doing, you know, and not being multitasking, but single-tasking. Um, so it's a real mindset shift. It's very easy to do. I mean, it's very simple to do, but it takes a mindset shift. And once you make that mindset shift and you realize, I want to become a more mindful person, then it becomes easy to do. But we have to be aware of the fact that we need to be practicing it all the time. Right. And so for someone like me, when I hear on, you know, the, the first mention mindfulness, I think of what you said, you know, uh, mindfulness meditation or more like the spiritual stuff, uh, like they might, that, that might be their first reaction to it. Right. Or they might be yep. critical of it. So what would you say to someone who's maybe like myself, uh, who isn't comfortable with maybe like getting that deeper yeah. <laughs> within themselves, but they could really benefit from it. Like, what would you say to them to have them at least consider it? Well, there are so many benefits, you know, and I think that's really where, um, where it becomes very fact-based, you know, and, and you can sort of take the emotion out of it. Um, people that practice mindfulness sleep better. We, we ruminate less, you know, and the, and rumination is, um, what many of us experience and, I used to experience at four in the morning, which is that waking up and your mind is like a, you know, I used to say my mind was like a car stuck in rush hour traffic and it, every thought goes through your mind and you start worrying and overthinking everything. 
things that are monumental to minute. And so being mindful mm -hmm. and being more training your brain, it actually, and certainly meditation does this, but mindfulness does as well. It changes the physiology of your brain to become calmer and more relaxed over time. So what's amazing about it is it has not just, you know, emotional benefits and um, social benefits. It has physical benefits. It actually changes the structure of our brain in a positive way. So if you feel like you're not sleeping well, that would be a reason to um, try mindfulness. If you feel like you're very stressed, it brings um, cortisol levels down over time. I mean, this is something that is a really great stress reducer. Um, it, it gives your mind more stability and makes it calmer. It makes you more open-minded. Um, uh, research suggests that people who practice mindfulness are actually less prejudiced than those who don't. So there are so many benefits, more than I can even talk about in, in a short podcast, to becoming <laughs> mindful and you do not have to meditate. So if that feels, you know, for right. some people that feels way out there. Um, I would suggest that once you start doing it, it actually, you'll realize that, you know, it's, it's really just sort of having a relationship with your own, you know, your own, with yourself. Um, but it's, mm. um, if you're not comfortable doing that, you don't need to do that. And you certainly don't need to do that at the beginning, but it's just this practice of becoming more aware and more in the moment. And it just, it just reaps so many benefits for you physically and, and mentally. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So I kind of started with the mindfulness practice about a year ago, which led me into more meditation. I usually do it at night. And sometimes I honestly fall yes, asleep yes. <laughs> because it's so relaxing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's okay. I think that's a positive right. effect of uh, meditation itself. But uh, for the workplace, Deborah, how can someone use mindfulness during their own workday? Well, I think um, it's easy because it doesn't have to be long, you know. So, so if we're talking about mindfulness in the workday, so let's let's talk about mindfulness and meditation in the workday. Um, so, mindfulness in the workday would be um, like something I described earlier, which is I'm going from one meeting to the next, and I've got to, I've got, you know, I've got to set my head and my intention right for this next meeting. So, I've got to let loose of whatever emotions I'm feeling from that meeting I just came out of, whether it's anxiousness or, you know, happiness and joy or anger. And I've got to leave it behind and I've got to sort of reset my intention walking into this new meeting. Um, it might mean that there's a trigger. So for some people, um, like starting your workday, if you have a chaotic house in the morning, I know that when my kids were little and, you know, we had childcare and everybody was going a mile a minute in the morning and I would walk out the door, I would sometimes not be in the most calm of, you know, places in my own head ready to start my work day. So sometimes it can be a trigger and that trigger might be putting your hand on the doorknob, going from your home to the garage or opening your car door that that's your cue. It's giving yourself cues. That's your cue to say, I'm walking out of a chaotic morning with my family where there was a lot going on. And now I have a few minutes to really sort of decompress and think about my day and transition into my day 
well. It could be sitting on the train, you know, if you take a train to work and it could be, okay, now is my moment to sort of say, how do I want to, you know, in mindfulness, we use this word show up a lot. You know, it's sort of, how do you want to show up for your day? How do you want to show up for your employees or your coworkers? So having those, you know, triggers of some point in your day, and it might be that you need to reset yourself. So it might be at noon or at 1130 or when you take a break to eat something, you know, during your workday, that that's your trigger to sort of, you know, take a few breaths and really think about, all right, what, what went on in the morning? What's, what's my afternoon look like? How am I going to really be present for everything that I have going on in the afternoon? When you talk to leaders, when you talk to successful CEOs, almost all of them have some way that they reset themselves. And it might be once a day, and it might be several times a day. But I've talked to many CEOs that will say, well, what I do is I, um, you know, I when I'm shaving in the morning, that's my time, men, <laughs> well, women too, I guess. Um, I, you know, I, that's my time that I spend, you know, a, a man said this, you know, looking, literally looking myself in the mirror and saying, how, how did I do yesterday? And how am I going to show up better today? How am I going to be a better boss, leader, you know, colleague than I was yesterday? Uh, for some people, it's on their way home. Um, for some people, it's at night before they end their day, you know, to sort of say, okay, let me take inventory of my day. A really good way to do this too is through journaling. So if, again, that may not be comfortable to everyone, but it's a very good mindfulness practice to journal because you're sort of getting down, okay, what did I do today that was great? How do I want to set my intention for the next day or the week or the month? Um, and being, you know, more intentional about who you are and how you want to be, um, you know, showing up as a, as a professional. So I think there's a lot of little ways. Some people say they will put a note, a sticky note on their phone at work and it will say, you know, it will be a trigger for them to do, you know, to just sort of take a take a breath, stop and take a breath at a certain time of the day to reset themselves, reset their intentions, et cetera. And that can be very effective. It doesn't have to be long. It just needs to happen um, continuously and it needs to be something that you practice. So it's not about sitting down for an hour and being mindful for an hour or even meditating for an hour. You can meditate for five minutes, but once you start doing it every day and you, you, know, you build that, you sort of bake that into your life, you will see benefits very quickly. So it's more about consistency than it is about length. Um, and, and I think that, that that makes it more doable at work and during the workday. Yeah, one thing I began doing about four years ago is that in the middle of the day, 12 o'clock, I would take a walk around the block, around the block yes. or around the building. Yes. And, and and that's turned into a thing now where it's called, like other coworkers yeah. call it nap yeah. time. Yes. And it's kind of turned into can, a joke, but it's so like, it's so essential to like what I need to do. So maybe I am practicing. I think you are, man. I, I think it. you are. Um, you are. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I'm con I'm converting as we speak. But one thing I, I I could see like trouble within myself and maybe other people out that are listening is that maybe I'm not using that time to its fullest because I'm using that time to listen to a podcast or listen to a new album that came out. Like I'm not setting that time to be intentional about mm -hmm. myself. 
would that would you say that's definitely a barrier in within I don't think it's well? a barrier by any stretch because I think the fact that you are already being intentional about taking a break and that you know music is resetting you or the podcast is resetting you it's putting you in a better mindset um I think mm-hmm. is very healthy and I think that that lends itself to being um more mindful I do think that there is benefit to all of us to take time to get inside our own beings, you know, inside our own heads or inside our own, um, you know, our, inside our own physicality um, sometimes. So, um, but I think what you're saying is, you know, you're, you're taking the time to stop and to do something that uh, re-energizes you and that maybe calms you and that puts you in a better place as you go forward. So mindfulness can happen during exercise. You know, you can exercise can be a mindfulness mm-hmm. practice. A walk in the woods, they call them mindfulness walks. That can be a practice. Now, oftentimes we get to a point where mindfulness, and again, this is part of meditation, um, you know, there's a there's a, a silent um, mindfulness and a silent meditation. And that's when you really start going deeper inside yourself, you know, which is why this program was called Search Inside Yourself, right. because you are, the more you search inside yourself, honestly, the more peaceful you become with the world around you. So, um, so I would say you're off to a good start by paying attention to your body and your mind and knowing that you need a break and that maybe what you want to try to do in time or soon, whatever, whenever the mood strikes you is spend a little silent time. Um, and, um, you know, on one of those walks and maybe take the earphones out and think about, you know, yourself, your, um, you know, how you, how you, um, are practicing the things that you practice, how you, what your relationships are like, how you might want to improve on those and how you can, you know, help yourself stay more grounded. Um, but again, you know, if someone wants to meditate, that's something that's pretty darn easy to do at work too. You can do a one to two minute meditation in your office, um, or in a cubicle, or by going outside and taking, you know, sort of doing a, a meditative walk or something along those lines. It doesn't have to be something difficult. And I think that is the biggest barrier to people not doing it is that they feel like they don't have time. And I would suggest, mm-hmm. and maybe this is a bold statement, that if you don't have two minutes in your day, then something is really wrong, <laughs> really unhealthy. <laughs> so the yeah. reset button yeah. needs to come out. <laughs> so, and maybe this could be uh, the wrong attitude, but like someone who might be results oriented, like myself, um, like might want to see a difference right away. So how long does it take for someone to notice a difference in their mindfulness? Could it be like right at like immediately? Yes. So or- I was- because uh, you were talking about those yes. physiological so changes. So mindfulness, um, you you can practice and, and see the benefits from immediately because that is just being present, right? So if you think about, if you're having a conversation with someone and you really go into it with you know an open mind, you're practicing mindful listening, you're asking questions, you, you know, put yourself in the mindset of being an ally to that person, you will right away feel differently if you reflect back on a conversation where perhaps you were not mindful with that person. I think you'll see an immediate benefit. Now, when we talk about physiological changes and we talk about 
um, you know, meditation, you can start seeing positive results from meditation within just a few weeks. And that is how you feel. It can be um, blood pressure and heart rate and, I mean, really physiological changes. Most studies will suggest that within, you know, eight to 10 weeks, you would actually see physiological changes starting to happen. So I think you'll notice that you'll feel better in, you know, two to three weeks by going into a practice, but that your body will actually start to change. There's really interesting um, you know, if you were to Google, you know, something around um, the effects of uh, meditation on the brain, you can see brain scans from before and after uh, someone begins a meditation practice, and you can see the the significant physiological changes in the brain after just a few months of practicing. So it is, it is there is hardcore data to uh, really show that this is a very healthy practice. And it, it has all kinds of, you know, it uh, leads to reduced depression and anxiety. Um, it, you know, again, it, it helps people lower their blood pressure. In some cases, they're coming off meds they've been on for a long time for whatever ailment because they're able to more accurately regulate themselves and their own emotions. We know that stress and cortisol build up in someone's system and that what's that's what starts to cause plaque in our um, in our bodies that can lead to heart attack and stroke. So if you extrapolate out the benefits, it, they're they're enormous. They're just enormous. You have been listening to the VMUG Professional Development Series Part 1 with Deborah Zabladils talking about mindfulness. Please join us again for Part 2 next week. See you then.